morning, everybody. Good morning. Okay. So um, we're moving on in the Beatitudes, and we're on Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And uh, we've been immersing ourselves in, in, in the Beatitudes, and some, some people know them as the beautiful attitudes. You know, that's one of the, the ways they're known. And, uh, so, and these are the, the teachings of Jesus in, uh, recorded in Matthew. And I believe that they are, they are sequential, quite deliberately. They follow on from each other. There's a, there's a logic to them. A few weeks ago, John shared, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. A kind of uh, an end of reliance on yourself, if you like. And then, blessed are those who mourn, which David brought to us a couple of weeks ago, for they shall be comforted. And a, a desperation for God to do something in our lives. Again, a, a dependency on God. And then we come to this one. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And this becomes a challenge to our character and the way that we live our lives. And at each point, our hearts and lives are challenged by these Beatitudes into a deeper, a deeper and richer life and relationship with God. In fact, the, 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 it's taken from Matthew chapter 5, but the, 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 the three chapters around it, 5, 6, and 7, they can be treated as one long sermon. And, and Jesus starts, I think, with these as like, uh, like propositions, you know, and then he goes on later on as you read through, perhaps to flesh them out a bit and say what they'll look like. And maybe we'll visit some of that th th this morning. He gives practical outworkings of what, he's, what he means by these things. And, you know, and, and as we've said before, as been, has been said before, Jesus kind of turns things on, on its head, doesn't it? In the way that the, the world works, he says the kingdom of God isn't like this. You know, to gain things and to get things, to inherit the earth, surely... You know, surely you've got, you've got to make steps, to, uh, appropriate steps to get these things that are, are on the earth. And uh, a film that um, I enjoyed watching many years ago, it, it's got, it had some dark humour in it and it made me laugh. And, uh, and there was a guy called Danny DeVito, an actor is in it, and he was playing a, a character called, uh, called Lawrence Garfield. And the film was called Other People's Money. And he, it was very much about him being a businessman and, and capitalism and these sort of things. And, and he said this, he said... The idea is to make as much money as you can for as long as you can, and whoever has the most when they die, they win. <laughs> and I think Jesus wants to turn that sort of attitude on its head, doesn't he? You know, the news and the papers and the magazines are full of stories of wealth, and we get the impression, you can get the impressions you read it, that, that actually people are valued by what they've got. Not so much how they got there and what they say, but what they've got, and, and, and there really is a, a culture of that, I think, around us. And the more, you know, people are more aggressive and more demanding they are, the more they get, you know, as they follow their desires and wants. And, and I think Jesus wants to turn this on his head, on its head because he says, blessed are the meek, for it's them that will inherit the earth. And um, can we have the next slide, please? So, now... I remember a number of years ago, um, I was just outside Inverness, which is in, in Scotland. And, and I know what you're thinking, what a glamorous lifestyle Andrew has. I was, I was working and I was traveling in the north of Scotland, abroad, and, and, but I was actually looking for a sewage works. Uh, you know, <laughs> Scottish Water had lost one and I was looking for it. And, and I saw a road sign and this road sign, it said, 
trickle on and more. Now, to some people here, that won't mean anything. But, but, but to me, because I'm a bit geeky like this, I thought, now's my opportunity to go and see the site of the last pitched battle on British soil, right? It was in 1746, which is about quarter to six-ish. <laughs> we got it this time, didn't we? And there was a, a, a battle was fought between uh, um, the Jacobites, or the Scottish, let's just call them that for simplistic purposes, and, and, the, uh, and, and the, the forces of George II. I hesitate to call them the English, because there was a lot of German mercenaries there. Now, the, the, the Jacobites, they were led by a piper, and, and the forces of George II were led by some cannons. So you can guess who won. In fact, in fact, actually, a couple of thousand people died there. But I, I went to see this piece of land. And it's quite an unremarkable piece of land. You know, it's a, it's, it's a boggy, boggy marsh, really. Very difficult to walk along, quite unremarkable. And yet, people warred over it. They warred over it and fought over it. And then, many years later, not long after I left uh, my visit there, I couldn't find the sewage works, uh, after I left this place, um, another battle happened, and this time the battle was between some protesters, people from Scotland, some Highlanders who were trying, who were trying to um, keep their rich heritage, and some property developers who wanted to build a housing estate on it, right? And, and again, the Scots were led by a piper, and this time the property developers were led by, uh, uh, by a lot of money, basically. So um, the, the battle is not finished with that one, but again, people war over land, don't they, you know? Um, and is Jesus talking about this? And, you know, for myself, um, I, I became a landowner a few years ago, or like four years ago. It does sound very dramatic, that, and very glamorous, doesn't it? But my house was leasehold, and I bought the leasehold. So largely, I own about 80 square metres of, well, we own 80 square metres of clay in Bolton. So that's nice, isn't it? Um, I didn't have a bagpipe or anything like that. So... Well, Jesus, he turns everything on his head, doesn't he? He says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So what was Jesus talking about? What, what does this mean? What is this meekness uh, that, that he puts out there? Is it a route to wealth and inheriting the whole world? I think that with meekness, there comes a whole association with the word humility. You know, I think we can tie that in with meekness, humility. And I think he's, he's looking at people, he's saying to people here, we've got to think about being humble rather than trying to assert ourselves. Um, Martin Lloyd-Jones said this. Have you got the third slide? He said this. He said, meekness is essentially a true view of oneself expressing itself in attitude and conduct with respect to others. So... We'd looked at the other two Beatitudes, the previous two Beatitudes, being poor in spirit and, and mourning, and they were very much um, giving us a perspective of ourselves as people and as, Christ, as Christians, and now Jesus moves it on and he says, you know, blessed are the meek, and it becomes more like an expression of what God has done in our lives and what we believe Jesus was saying. And so, as, as Martin Lloyd-Jones says, it's the best uh, quote I could get, to be honest, as I looked around. Meekness is essentially a true view of oneself expressing itself in attitude and conduct with respect to others. And so, how do we display, who do we display meekness to? 
So have we got the next slide, please? And I think we have to be meek in our relationship with God. Yeah, I think that's our starting point. That we can't stand before God with pride and telling God what to do, can we? We've got to be meek before God, express a good conduct and a good attitude to him. Um, before Jesus uh, uh, presented the Beatitudes, before he did this Sermon on the Mount, he was taken into the, uh, into the desert to be tempted. And one of the ways he was tempted was that the devil said this to him. Just quote, there we go. The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. And Jesus, when he was tempted in this situation, he'd been, he'd, he'd been out there for 40 days in isolation and without any food, that's what it tells us. And he was tempted with his bodily needs. He was tempted uh, with his emotional needs and his security, but also about power and wealth. I will give you all this if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, no, it's God we're going to worship. It's God we worship. He's offered the whole world, to but he's got to worship the devil. And sometimes we can be offered things in life, can't we? Opportunities can come our way. I, I know that, and, and, and I've been there with that. And opportunities can come our way. And we can be like Adam and Eve, can't we? When something good is presented to us, the apple, and we could go, oh yeah, that's good, isn't it? And we can go for it. But you know, Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for it's them that will inherit the earth. And we've got to be meek in our attitude and relationship with God. It's so tempting when we're offered things. And they might be in private, they might be in secret, they might be publicly. And, um, and we might think to ourselves, oh, I could really use that. Oh, that would be good. I could do this with it. And I could, I, could, I could use this for God. But still, it's still not God's best and we know it. And it's still, God, it's still not God's best. I could be so fulfilled, couldn't I? You know, it would really meet my needs right at this moment in time. It's just what I want. But then we know, still, we have that voice inside us of God saying, it's not right for you, this. It's not right for you. We've got to be meek in our relationship with God and bow the knee to him. Jesus was humble before God. It tells us in the book of Philippians, it says this. This was uh, Paul writing about Jesus. And he said, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. So was Jesus part of the Godhead, part of the, uh, the Trinity, very much God, come down to live as a man. <laughs> oh, God's goodness. God himself squeezed into a man. That's incredible. What a miracle. And he said... You know, and he didn't, he didn't consider being equal with God something to be grasped. He laid it aside in his humility and in his meekness. So we start with a meekness towards God as Christians. And our lives are surrendered to God. We get this idea and this language of being surrendered to God. 
and his will. And we sometimes seek to impose what we want on God. I know I do. And in direct competition to God's will, it's called sin. That's what sin is. But we don't want to be them sort of people, do we? We want to be good people. We want to be the right people in God and be meek to him. And Jesus calls us to turn from our sins, to repent, because there's something better at hand, the kingdom of heaven. And it's for everyone, without exception. It's for everyone. So, what are the keys? How can I, how, how can I display this meekness to God? Because really, I, I need some help to do it, really. I need help to be that way, to be in the same way as Jesus. And I think one way, the one thing that helps is to have an open and gentle heart to God. A teachable heart, sometimes it's called. But we've got to be open to God, haven't we? Not having a hard heart. One of the things we read, in the, particularly in the Old Testament, is about the Israelites, that they hardened their hearts when God was speaking to them, didn't they? Well, let's not do that. Let's keep our hearts open to God. Have an open and a gentle heart, not a hard one. Don't hard yourselves to, to God's prompting just to do what you want and say no to pride. And I think ways of keeping a gentle and open heart to God are things like prayer and obedience and worship. As we were worshipping this morning, and, and John exhorted us to, to, to almost uh, live in the moment and to, and, to, you know, and to do it and to worship. And it's opening your heart like that to God, isn't it? And then we know we experience that sense of, of knowing God's presence by the Holy Spirit as we worship him. That's a great way of keeping an open heart. And something to be extended beyond here on a Sunday morning, but do it in your lives. You know, be a worshipping people. Through God's word, knowing God's word and absorbing it into our lives and, and through fellowship with God's people and being honest with God and knowing his love and asking for it. You know, the Bible tells us that we love God because he loved us first. So keep a, an open and a gentle heart to God. And I think another way is, is asking for the Holy Spirit regularly. You know, asking God to regularly fill us afresh with his Holy Spirit. He promised it, and he doesn't hold back. Jesus said, I'm going to go so the Holy Spirit can come. We can keep asking for it without measure, without measure. As I said, it's for everyone without exception. And, and, and in many ways, in many ways, I'll say this, being meek is not a natural characteristic for anybody, I believe. I don't believe it's true for anybody. I mean, we can all, uh, we all deal with people and we, we, we like to deal with people who, who, who are nice to deal with, who are cooperative, who, who, you know, you get on with, you know. But that isn't necessarily meekness. I think meekness comes from a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And curiously enough, as we allow God to change us, to work that in us, I think it develops a strength in us as well, an inner strength to do what God calls us to do and to build our lives on his truth. If you want to experience God working and moving in your life, you have to be meek and humble towards him first. Being into the things that concern him. You know, sometimes we're not into the things that concern him. The, the, the prophet Micah, he, he, he wrote this down. He said, you know, that uh, what has God showed you, O man, what is good? And what does God require of you? And it's to act justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. And, and I, I must admit, I've been quite challenged by that in recent days, about the whole idea of acting justly and loving mercy. You know, um, 
They're not necessarily priorities in your life. <laughs> but God says, walk humbly with him, act justly and love mercy. I think I need help to do this. I need help to be meek uh, in dealing with God. You know, our God is into doing what is right, delivering justice to the poor uh, and the vulnerable and protecting the weak and showing mercy and compassion and not judgment and showing care and love and going that extra mile. Loving mercy. I, I just get this sense when I look around in the, uh, and I read news stories that people are quick to pass judgment when somebody's done something. It is so true. And yet, you know, I want justice with mercy. I don't want to be treated just as you did that wrong and now you're cancelled. I want to be treated with mercy. Am I ready to do that to other people? So who is going to help me? I said that uh, we really could do, uh, really could do with some help. And next slide, I think. I hope. There we go. So Jesus said this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For my yoke, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And we often, we often look at this in terms of being brought comfort to our lives, don't we? But you know, when we're yoked to Jesus, when we're, we're being controlled by him and, and, and everything, it, it directs so much more than, than our, uh, our desires to be and our need to be comforted. It dictates what we'll do, how we'll approach things in our attitudes. Take my yoke, learn from me. I am gentle and lowly, humble, it says, and you'll find rest for your souls. And the, the, the yoke was this kind of, the, the idea of that is a, is a farming term and a farming tool. Imagine a, a large collar, solid collar that sits around an animal, around the neck, perhaps when you're ploughing and the, the animal is dragging the ploughing, you want it to go left, you want it to go right, and some reins in front of you fasten this collar and the farmer pulls it one way or pulls it the other to direct it. And sometimes the, 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 uh, the, the imagery is associated with two animals, one next to another, and it's a, a double yoke, if you like. And you've got one animal that is well-trained and used to doing this, and the younger one that's learning. And it follows because it's yoked at the neck. It can't move left and right without the other one. Being led by Jesus. We already have yokes upon us. You know, you might think, well, I'm going to put this on. I don't have one at the moment. But I would contend that I do. I have other yokes on me that drive me desires and me wants, you know, and can lead us in ways we don't want to go. We are yoked anyway. Put a better one on. Put a better one on. It can take us in ways we don't want to go, you know, in situations and problems, pain, attitudes and behaviours. But Jesus says, put mine on. Put mine on. It's so much better for you. Take on my guidance and my love and my Holy Spirit because I'm gentle and humble and I don't want to do you any harm and I won't do you any harm. In fact, I'll bring you peace and I'll bring you rest and I'll show you how to be meek. It's a meekness and a submission to God that does us good and Jesus shows us how. So what does it look like, some of this meekness? Well, 
I think first and foremost, there's a submission to God. And, a, and the, but there's also a submission to people, which really gets our goat, that one, doesn't it? But we'll, we'll come on to that one a little bit more in a minute. Um, there's an end of a self-reliance. You know, there's a place in Scripture, and I didn't look it up, but it says, you know, every breath we breathe has come from God. You know what I mean? Sometimes we think in our arrogance that, you know, we're great as we are and we get these gifts that come into us. You do realise that every breath you breathe has come from God. That's how reliant you are on him. And we've got to say no to pride, you know, going through life saying, well, look at what I've got, look what I've done, look at how clever I am, you know. All those things work against being meek. And the real killer sometimes can be not hitting back in relationships, you know. In, uh, I said to you that, 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 that those whole three chapters are one long sermon. And in there, as you read it a little bit later on, Jesus says, you know, you've heard about eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Hitting back when somebody's had a go at you, got it, you know, and, 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 and hurt you. He says, but I say to you, turn the other cheek. I say to you, go the extra mile. I say to you, I know they brought you lawn more when you lent it to them, but they come and ask you for another one, lend them that one. You know what I mean? That's not a problem I've got, by the way. You know, just <laughs> <laughs> you know, and in Romans 12, Paul says, you know, you've all heard the phrase, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Are we so prepared to allow God to sort it out when somebody's wronged us rather than us wanting to hit back? You know? Do we trust God enough for him to justify our cause? Or, or, or are we so desperate to be shown to be right? Some people in life are always keen to be shown to be right, aren't they? I mean, that's, that's, that's one of the things of an argument, isn't it? You know, that, that really, you can get lost in what the issue is. The point is you want it shown to be right. You want to assert yourself. Well, maybe it's just me. but uh, yeah. And you want the world to see that you've clearly been wronged, don't you? hold it up to that other person's embarrassment and you know and everything we like to hit back don't we that's our natural way but we're to be meek when we're sharing about Jesus when we're telling people about Jesus you know we're to do it in a in an honorable way in a good way we've got to be meek when we're sharing our resources opening up our homes and when we're serving each other there's nothing worse than some serving going on where, where really it all just becomes a, a case of look at me, look at me, look at me, look at what I'm doing, you know. We've got to serve each other with a meekness. We've got to, eat, we've got to be meek when we approach God. I've heard people say, and I must admit this hasn't been my experience, but I've heard people say that I was angry with God. and I went to God and I was angry with him. I think we've got to be careful with that personally. I really do. We've got to be meek with God. And we've got to be meek when we engage with our community. And when we're praying for our brothers and sisters, and when we face persecution and difficulties, and when we receive gifts from God and in conversations, you know, just before that bit we read in Philippians, where it talks where Jesus, you know, it said about Jesus not, not uh, being, uh, being equal with God, something that he was going to be grasped. It says before that, it says, consider the needs of others, put other people's needs before yourself. You know, there's a very direct challenge to our attitude, isn't there? And so I face, uh, I, I, as I thought about that, I thought, well, are there some areas in my life where I face that challenge of being meek? And, and so I, I did. I, I, I put down three. I want to be vulnerable in this. And, and I'd say, where, where do I uh, need to consider and need to be meek? Not just consider it, but actually do it, you know. 
And I, I had three areas, and I thought, well, in leadership, in relationships, and in community. And I'll, I'll just explain them. You know, you, you're all aware that um, I'm part of the leadership team here at King's, and, and I'm there with, with John and David and Jessica, and we're very four different people, aren't we? You know, we have, we have different strengths and weaknesses, different personalities and experiences in life, and we look different and we behave different, but we all carry that sense and that burden of, of wanting to lead right and lead well. Uh, to do it right before God and to honour Jesus uh, and lead God's people correctly. And, and I remember when Rob and Marion White came a few weeks ago and they prayed for us, um, a word that really stood out was, was to be shepherds, to shepherds God's flock, which is to, to look after God's people, to care for them and direct them. And... Um, you know, and, and, and when I'm leading, I, I want to do it in a positive and engaging way. I, I want to communicate well with people, not just as I'm studying, but in my personal dealings with everybody. And, and we're called to be inspiring in some way, you know, goals and visions. We've talked about that and we will be talking more about that. And we want to work well with people and get our hands dirty as well. You know, we don't want to be standoffish and things like that. I want to be a person who listens and be open ourselves and loving and caring and hospitable and take responsibility i want to do all these things um, and as i prayed and thought about it, when jesus said blessed are the meek then it's act as it really encroaches on my style of leadership doesn't it you know my style of leadership because at times we're going to have to be firm and decisive we know that with people and we've got to show character and a bit of determination and bottle but it doesn't negate being meek and humble in it and sometimes I can be discouraged and sometimes brassed off, but the words of Jesus still come through. Blessed are the meek. And sometimes we've had to and going to have to handle conflict, perhaps. Disagreement, make unpopular decisions. But through it all, Jesus still says, blessed are the meek. And sometimes you can feel like you're being pulled left and right, but blessed are the meek. Because it's no use, is it, if I'm going to be rude and self-seeking or aggressive, unapproachable. So boy, do I need to be yoked to Jesus so that those characteristics don't come to the fore when I display a meekness and a humility. Just, just by the way, I'm not looking for written feedback here, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't mean being a doormat or a slave either. It doesn't mean that. So we've got to battle it. We've got to allow the Holy Spirit to do it within us, haven't we? To be meek and humble. And so there's that meekness in, uh, in leadership. And then I put down relationships. Because in Ephesians chapter 5, 21, it says this. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's what it says. Blimey. You know, submit to one another a reverence for Christ. In our friendships and in our relationships, and I, I thought particularly of, of our growth group, you know, we're to listen to each other and take on board good advice and counsel, not take the opportunity to force our ideas on other people or be aggressive in that way. You know, we're to be humble enough to receive and listen and trust, take things on board, put in other people's concerns and needs first. And not just looking out for ourselves. Sure, we all have needs. I get that. But we've got to look out for other people as well. 
That's part of being submissive to each other. And, and what we want to do is, is we don't want to lord it over each other or constantly bringing out our wants and needs at the expense of others. We want to pray for each other, but not pray on each other. That's what we want to do. It's a different spelling of pray, by the way. And then later on, in that chapter that I was reading from, from, from uh, uh, quoting from, from Ephesians there, you know, it says, submit to one another at reverence Christ. It says this, it says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Close relationships are not a place for one person to dominate the other in that way. I hope that being yoked to Jesus and having the Holy Spirit makes me better in my close relationships. Because it isn't what I have or what I possess that will make the relationship successful or make them prosper. But it's how I see people, isn't it? How I value them and love them and treat them with a meekness and a humility, both in church and out of church. That's what makes things work, makes things successful. It's how we approach each other and deal with each other. So, um, in leadership I need meekness, in relationships I need meekness, what, about, what do I mean by in community? Well, we all live and operate in different communities. Um, a, a large part of my week and my, my day is spent in a work environment I, 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 where I work. And I'm in a community there. You know, you can't help it. You, you deal with the same people regularly. And, um, and, so, and so I've also got neighbours as well and I've got extended family. And they're probably my main communities as well as here. So I've got to be humble and meek in those situations as well, haven't I? You know, and as we seek to reach our community, we have a vision and a purpose here. We believe we've got something good to reach out, to tell our community, to help them, to show them God's love. We want to do it, though, with a meekness, don't we? We're called to witness to the world, to show his love and goodness, to show God's glory and character and holiness and righteousness, his mercy and compassion and God's voice, to make disciples of people and make him known. When Jonah was in the boat before he, was, before he went overboard and was eaten by the whale, you know that the sailors came to him and said, what does your God say? What's your God's voice? What's he saying? What's this all about? And the world is looking for us to bring God's voice, I believe. Brings God's voice to the problems and the situations that they face, that we face together as communities. We have to do it with a meekness and a humility. So Jesus dealt with people. And I think, I think one of the reasons I need that is because my heart cannot be trusted. If, if, if a community group came to me and said, oh, would you do, what, what, what can we do about this? What can we do about that? If I didn't have the Holy Spirit and I didn't have this teaching of Jesus, I could get quite proud, couldn't I? You know, I'm the, I'm the answer to their problems. <laughs> Our hearts, my heart cannot be trusted. That's why I need God. Church structure, you know, we, we, we talked about leadership. We have church structure here, and if we don't have that meekness, then, then you can get misuse of power. You can get me, and that is not what we want. The world could do with some meekness, couldn't it? I see a lot of, I see a lot of arrogance. The world could do with some meekness, and we need to show it. And we've been given power and authority by God, and we've got to make sure we use that well and use that right. You know, when we pray, 
you know, the, the, the prayer meetings. We are, we are displaying such huge power. I don't think we understand the enormity of the power and authority that's going on when we pray as a group, as, as a church. We want to be imitators of Jesus, don't we? And I think the poor are exploited enough in this country. The poor are exploited enough. And we need more mercy with justice, as I said before. You know, social media, an incredible place where people get cancelled. Cancelled. Written off completely. And we can all make judgments on what they've said and what they've done. But 256 characters later, you're a goner. We want justice and mercy, don't we? Justice with mercy. Okay. So, that, so those are three areas where I believe I, I, I've got to display that meekness. And, and you've got to work it out yourself in your own life. Maybe God is speaking to you with those areas, maybe other areas. But we've got to, we've got to work this out in our lives. It, it demands a response from us. It demands, uh, it, it dictates our attitudes and our approaches. So, next slide, please. Okay. And then he says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And I, I showed you that daft slide at the beginning of Culloden Moor. And is Jesus talking about coming to own a piece of land? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. And it says here in, uh, in Romans, I have to go this way because I can't see that. <laughs> it, it says this. You might say, well, what am I inheriting? What am I inheriting? And this is what Paul said. If we are children, and talking about children of God, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, so that we also we may also be glorified with him. Who here doesn't believe that Jesus will own everything? He will do. He will come back. We were singing it this morning. He will come back and this world will be completely his and it will be obvious to all. It says here we're co-heirs with him. We are co-heirs. What a privileged people we are. What a privileged people we are. What that will look like, I'm not 100% sure. But there's a promise there, isn't there? A promise. I can't pretend to know what physically you've inherited or what you will inherit. I don't know. And maybe God will bless you with a piece of land like Culloden Moor or a leasehold like I've got one day. I don't know. Maybe God will bless you with something like that. But I believe Jesus is talking about something much richer when he talks about inheriting the whole earth. You see, because we have a father, these, these are ways in which I think that we've already got a measure of that inheritance that's coming our way and we've got. And God will provide all your needs and he does provide all your needs because he's a good father in heaven, isn't he? Later on in that section, in that, in that bit of the Sermon in the Mount, Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Just seek God's kingdom first. God's going to provide him. All those things will be added to you that you need. Seek first the kingdom of God. God blesses us with good gifts from above already, doesn't he? You know, in, in the book of James, it's, it talks about uh, the father of lights and good gifts coming from God above. In worship before God, the desires for the things in this world, they seem to fade, don't they? 
as we come, you know, I know we can't see God, but you get that sense of him, don't you? That sense of his presence in you. I, I don't know, if it, maybe it's just me, but I think, well, those other things that I desire, they become a bit pathetic. You know, it's God I want, God himself. And that becomes a reality in worship. That's part of my experience. Do you know, do you know that Jesus is with you all the time? You're in the majority because Jesus is with you all the time. He said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I wrote down God does miracles. And, you know, we, we look to inherit things. And sometimes we look about what we've not got, don't we? And we can't see how something's going to work out. But God does miracles. Abraham and Sarah couldn't see how it was going to work out, really. But God did a miracle, didn't he? God, even after they'd had a go at having a go themselves and getting it wrong, God still did that miracle, didn't he? We've been given the Holy Spirit as a down payment of what we're going to inherit. That's what it says in Ephesians. It says this, that one day you're going to inherit everything and to show you a sign of good faith, these are my words, not but to show you that it's going to happen, I've give you the Holy Spirit. That's the essence of what it's saying. It guarantees your inheritance, it says. Guarantees it. You know, one day, um, well, no, it probably won't. It, it happened in the past. I went to a solicitor's and they said, confirm who you are. And I confirmed who I was and I, and I inherited something when my parents passed away. You know, I, I had to confirm it. We don't need to confirm anything before God. We've been given that thing. We've been given that Holy Spirit. We will inherit. And Paul, he'd learned to be content in all circumstances, Paul. It tells us in the book of Philippians. You know, in all circumstances, when he was in need, whether he was in plenty, he'd learned to be content, and he was content. I think it's because he understood a measure of how much he already had and how much he'd already inherited. As we've read there, we're co-heirs with Christ. We've already inherited. Okay. I'd like to finish by reading some of Psalm 37, if we may. Um, so if you want to close your eyes while I read it. says this be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him do not fret when men succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those whose hope is in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Lord, Lord, we know that your teachings sometimes seem 
a great mystery to us. But we know that in you, there is everything. All wisdom and goodness. Lord, change us as you will, Lord, to be those people you want us to be. Displaying that meekness and humility. Lord, have your way by your Holy Spirit. Thank you for what we have inherited in you already, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you sent the Holy Spirit. Your will be done. Amen.